All right, all right, all right. Man, I just want to say thank y'all for being here today. Man, I know I say it too much, but I'm going to keep on saying it. Thank you for being here today. Thank you for showing up here today. Man, you could have been anywhere in town, but you ended up here. And there's a different reason for every person being here today. But I don't want us to overlook the fact that God is the one who orchestrated the events to get us here and set us in this pew today. No matter if you drove yourself or somebody drove you here, no matter if you came because you couldn't wait to get here or you came kicking and screaming, man, God was the one who orchestrated and put you in this pew today. And so because of that, man, I want us to not lose focus that he is the real reason that we are here today, all right? And because of that, man, I want to challenge you, don't zone out today. Don't zone out on what the Spirit has to say today, but instead zone in onto what he wants to do in your life. And so, man, I just want to kind of catch us up to speed. Maybe some of y'all have been walking with us for a few weeks. Maybe for some of y'all, you hadn't been here in a while. And I want to just remind you that we're still in this series that we're calling Endure. And we're still walking through 2 Timothy. And so if you've been with us for a while, then you know that Dr. Branson has been taking us through this book little by little each week. And man, we are so grateful that Dr. Branson continues to, to help us out and serve as our interim pastor. Uh, and, and we're also grateful that we have a team of dedicated people who are searching for our, our next pastor here at Ridgecrest. And so we're thankful for that. Man, Dr. Branson, he's on break this Sunday, but Lord willing, and if the creek don't rise, he'll be back on this stage next Sunday where he will be unpacking 2 Timothy chapter 2. But for today... Man, uh, we're going to finish out chapter one, but man, it really is a special day. And I don't want to just be saying that to say that. Man, today is a special day. Not only did we get a witness baptism, not only as a church do you get to play a part in that, and you get to say, yes, I will come alongside McKenna as she continues to walk out our faith in Christ. Man, that is great, but it's also the last Sunday of the month. And man, that's a great time here at Ridgecrest because if you haven't caught on yet, if it's the last Sunday in the month, man, that means it's another one of our, man, we just having another family fun day Sunday, all right? And, and, and that's really what it is. Man, it is a family Sunday fun day and that means that there's no kids worship upstairs. That means Mr. Niece is down here worshiping with us, but that also means there's a whole lot of rich kids that are also in here worshiping with us. And so, man, let me be the first one to say, uh, no kids worship upstairs. That means it's like high school musical because we all all in this together and we are and we love it and it's so good and so don't let me try to catch anybody giving somebody a little side eye or throwing shade their way if they see a little bit more moving than what typically happens or if they hear a little bit more you know volume in the pew in front of them or behind them than what is typical because here's the thing Man, we really are all in this together, and it's a sweet, sweet time that is so good, and we really do love worshiping with our youngest Ridge kids because, man, this is a great opportunity for these kids to see what it looks like to worship alongside, to learn alongside, and to fellowship alongside their parents. Man, and also, man, it's special because even though Dr. Branson is on break 
every time we have a family Sunday is special to our church because that means you get to hear from one of our pastors, like Pastor Ryan or Pastor Joel or like myself. And then lastly, Men is special because at the end of the service, like you already heard during our uh, time of prayer and preparation to prepare our hearts, man, we're going to be taking communion. And we're going to continue to do that every time it's a family Sunday. So those are things that you can expect. When it's family Sunday, we're going to have a fun day with our rich kids. We're going to set an example for them. And we're also going to hear from one of our pastors. And then we'll also be taking communion. So yay to all the things. And if you didn't know, now you know, all right? So here's the thing. Today, we're going to be finishing up 2 Timothy chapter 1. And we're going to be camping out in verses 13 through 18. So I want to challenge you as you tap and turn and scroll your way there to 2 Timothy chapter 1, verses 13 through 18. Man, uh, just remember, as you're trying to get there, the big numbers are the chapters, the small numbers are the verses, and there's a table of contents at the front of the Bible if you need it. And if you don't have a Bible with you today, man, grab one out of the back of the pew. Use it today. In fact, take it home with you as a gift from us and put that thing to good use, all right? But now, before we jump into verse 13, man, let me ask that you would join me in praying three things. Man, it's three things that are easy to say, but they are so hard to work out. And that's why we want to ask the Lord for his help. Number one, man, let's pray that God would speak. Number two, let's pray that we would listen. And number three, let's pray that that truth would set us free today, all right? Join me in praying those three things. Dear Heavenly Father, God, thank you so much for a church family that supports and loves the generation that we're bringing up right now. So much so that they would say, yes, man, I'm willing to come alongside this person as they continue to walk out their faith in Christ. You know, for a lot of people in the room, that was their first introduction to that sweet little girl. But now, man, God, I pray that our hope is that we would get to know not only McKenna, but we would get to know Amanda and Kyle, and we would do what we said, and that's to walk alongside her as she continues to walk out her faith in Christ. And God, today, man, as we get ready to dive into this scripture, Man, I pray that you would do these three things that are easy to say but hard to walk out. And that's why we need your help, God. So pray, God, I pray that you would speak to us today. See, God, we got a lot of people that want our attention. We got a lot of things that want our ears. But God, we don't want to hear from those right now. We want to hear from you. So Spirit, speak to us today. God, let us hear the truth that you have today. God, I'll be the first one to say that, man, I have selective hearing, and I know when to activate it. And sometimes I'm just hard of hearing, and sometimes I'm just hard-headed. And so, God, please let me hear what you would have to say today. Help me to listen and hear that truth. And God, third and finally, God, as you speak and as we listen, God, I pray that your truth would set us free. You know, that's what it says that it'll do in the Bible, and that's what we pray for today. God, set us free from the distractions. God, set us free from the sin that so easily entangles us and weights us down and trips us up. God, so that we can be made free and we can run for you and walk it out for you. God, we ask all this in your son's precious and holy name. Amen. Y'all ready to get started? If you're ready to get started, say, let's go. 
All right, three of y'all, but that's okay, all right? We're going to turn that number into a bigger number by the end of the service, but let's go ahead and get started. So first things first, man, as we pick up where Dr. Branson left off, he, he preached uh, on verse 12 last Sunday, and so we're going to pick up in verse 13, but first things first, as Paul continues to coach up young Timothy, man, he lets him know that faithfulness matters, Kind of elbow somebody sitting close to you. Go ahead and wake them up and say, faithfulness matters. Let them know. It's only awkward if you're sitting by yourself, all right? Because then you're just like ghost elbowing, all right? But, but here's the thing. Faithfulness matters, guys. Man, if you hear anything today, please hear this. Our faithfulness matters. And that's what Paul was communicating to young Timothy. In verse 13, listen to what he says in verse 13 and 14. Follow the pattern of sound words that you have heard from me in the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. Verse 14, be the Holy Spirit, I mean, by the Holy Spirit who dwells within us, guard the good deposit entrusted to you. Man, after telling Timothy the importance of boldness, he said, Timothy, I need you to be bold. I need you to preach the gospel. I need you to walk it out. I need you to be unashamed. Then Paul then goes on to say, oh, but I need you to be faithful to God's truth. Timothy, I need you to be faithful because faithfulness matters. Man, it's crazy, but when you read these verses, and I, and I really mean read them, not just gloss over them, not speed read them, but if you really look at the word choice in these two verses, man, it shows us how precious and unchanging the gospel really is. And we must guard it faithfully. See, the same challenge that he gives to Timothy, we can apply to our own lives. And so if we're listening, look how he starts off in verse 13. We'll put it up on the screen. But look what it says. He says, young Timothy, follow the pattern of the sound words that you have heard from me. He says, Timothy, you need to follow. Maybe other translations that you're reading from says, Timothy, you need to keep, retain, or Timothy, hold fast to. Guys, all of these words suggests that someone or something may try to take the truth from Timothy. And so Paul is saying, you got to follow. I mean, you got to keep, you got to retain, you got to hold fast. And unless Timothy held on in faithfulness, it could be snatched right from him. Guys, I don't know if you're old enough to know or ever have somebody just come up to you and slap something out of your hand and yell, spondooly, all right? But man, it's happening. It could happen, all right? Spondooly, all right? And, and, and so here's the thing. Timothy was called to hold on in faithfulness. So church family, we need to do the same thing. Man, we better get a better grip. And we better follow. We better keep. We better retain. We better hold fast. But hold fast to what? Man, keep on reading. It says, follow the pattern of sound words. Guys, if we want to hold on to the right thing, he tells us that we need to be holding on to the pattern. See, in verse 13, that word pattern, that could be translated as outline. Maybe that's another word for it. Outline. We need to hold on to the outline. And some of y'all, maybe y'all can relate, but like, you know, just as an architect may sketch out a pattern before adding all the final details and measurements to the blueprint. 
all right, or just as a seamstress takes the pattern first, lays it out, pins it up, and then starts the process of making the outfit. Or just as an artist might sketch the design of a painting before actually getting the paint out and on the canvas. And just as a writer may start with an outline of a paper before writing the final manuscript, so then Timothy was to follow Paul's outline. Paul says, man, follow my outline. Man, follow the patterns of the words that are sound. And he tells him, young Timothy, expound on it, apply it. But here's what he doesn't say. He doesn't say, Timothy, go make up your own outline. Hey, Timothy, I'm asking you to do something really hard, but don't worry, you'll get it. Just practice a lot, but you got to start from scratch. I did the same thing, but you can do it too. He doesn't say those things. Timothy was not told to make up his own outline. He wasn't told to add to it or subtract from it. He was instructed by Paul to take what he taught and teach it to others. And I love that. Too many times we say, man, I want to walk out my faith, but how do I do it? Man, I want to walk out my, my, my steps of faith in Christ, but how do I do it? Somebody tell me, give me the top five things to do. No, Paul's saying, look, right now, this is what you do. Paul is telling Timothy, take what I'm teaching you, the gospel, and go teach that. Use my outline. Men, take what I'm teaching. I'm teaching the gospel. Go teach that. See, some pastors today, they've forgotten this instruction. And some of us, as people in the church building, listening to pastors, we have forgotten this instruction. Because church family, I want to let you know that the primary measure of a pastor's message, it shouldn't be humor. It shouldn't be excitement. It shouldn't be personality. It shouldn't be emotions. It shouldn't be charisma. But the primary measure should always be the gospel. Let me say it one more time. Men, it shouldn't be those other things. But the measure should always be the gospel. See, when pastors make much of these other things, when they make these other things their focus, man, they're in danger of losing the grip, of letting it go, of fumbling, uh, 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 of dropping the pattern of sound words and thus showing themselves to be unfaithful to the Lord and their calling. Man, the same way, when, when I talk to people, man, I want to know, are they plugged into a church? And when they say yes, man, I ask them about their pastor. And if they say, oh, you, I mean, yeah, uh, you, <laughs> yeah, that one, one guy, man, if they can't tell you about their pastor, they might not be that plugged into the church, right? But then if all they can say is, oh, man, it's so emotional, Oh, man, it's so full of, man, it's got, like, his message just has so much charisma. I don't know. I mean, he's got so much personality. But if they don't say, man, he preaches the gospel, man, that ought to be a red flag. That ought to be a red flag to us, guys. Man, we got to land on the gospel. Church family, there's only one gospel, right? Church family, there's only one gospel, right? That's right. Man, there's only one gospel, no other gospel than the one that Paul passed on to Timothy. And he says, the gospel that is contained in God's word, that's what you need to go teach. 
Men, as pastors, we may apply the implications of the gospel in various ways, but we may not ever adjust the message. It always has to be the gospel, all right? Men, our outline has been given to us, and it was written with the red blood of Jesus Christ. And this pattern, this outline of sound words that Paul was saying, Timothy, this is what you need to follow Man, it suggests to us that sound teaching, that true teaching based on the gospel according to God's truth has a certain pattern to it, a pattern that can be detected by the discerning heart. And Paul says that it's not just some random pattern. It's not like three points with a poem or it's not like these five things that you can do. Man, he says this pattern that he's talking about, man, you can discern it with your heart and it's something that you've already heard from me. That's what he says in the verse. Look, you have heard from me. The sound words that Timothy was to hold fast on, guys, they came from God, but they were delivered to Timothy by Paul. And the reason why I think that's important is I'm so glad that we can rejoice in the fact that God often uses human instruments to communicate his eternal truth. How great is that, right? God's got a message to say, and sometimes you are the megaphone. Man, God has a life-changing gospel that needs to be shared and you have the opportunity to take that baton and run with it. Man, I've heard of people who reject all human teachers and they stand on this hill where they say, man, it's just me and the Bible. I can't put any any weight on this man delivering the message because, uh, you know, we're all sinful. But here's the thing, I want us to be aware of that in two ways. Let's not prop up pastors, all right? But let's also understand that God uses people to communicate his eternal truth. Man, he does that, and he's still doing that even today. Man, he uses men and women to communicate this same gospel message even today. And when I look around, man, a lot of us are recipients of this fact, right? Where somebody... Sunday school teacher, a coach, a youth pastor, a pastor, a parent, a mentor. Man, they were used by God to speak eternal truth into your life. And see, God continues to be faithful. He continues to operate in this way. And I love that. Man, I love that. But look at the end of verse 13. Man, he says, and you do this in faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. Oh, man, I love this part because here's where we find a wonderful balance of this passage. See, Paul is telling Timothy, Timothy, be bold, be unashamed. Man, you don't have the spirit of timidity. You don't have the spirit of fear. Be courageous. But then yet at the same time, he was called to be faithful to the gospel in love and in faith. And I think that's a healthy balance right there. I mean, if we lean too far to one side, man, we just fall off the scale, all right? 
but we got to be right there in the middle. We got to be balanced. Paul was not just interested in what Timothy preserved, but also how he preserved it. And this faith and love that he mentions, it only comes in who? Christ Jesus. He says, lean into faith, lean into love, the faith and love that's found in Christ. See, some people, they want to reject God's word altogether. But then you have other people who they take God's word, but they only want to consider it in an intellectual matter. You know, they want to be a deep thinker. And these people who only focus on the intellectual side of these things and they leave out faith and love, that's very dangerous, guys. In fact, man, that's, that's very dangerous because faith and love describes how the truth is to be followed, how it's to be held on to, how it's to be kept. In fact, we walk it out in faith. Man, we truly believe it and we put our lives on it. Man, we walk it out in love. Man, we're not proud. We don't have arrogance. We don't have self-seeking superior, superiority. We, we, man, we do it in love. See, if anybody thinks that they're committed in truth, but they don't show the fruits of faith and love in their life, man, they're no better than the Pharisees. Man, it does us no good to proclaim these truths and leave out faith and love in Christ because otherwise, man, we're like this group from way back in Jesus' day. Y'all remember those people, right? Man, they were extremely committed to holding certain teachings. Like, man, we can't put that past them. They knew the word, but yet they didn't know the word, Right? Man, they only focused on the intellectual side of it, but man, they had no fruit of faith and love evident in their lives. They were missing the point. But Paul tells Timothy, Timothy, man, you got something right here. Man, you got something that you need to be committed to. And Paul called that something a good thing. And no doubt, the good deposit that he was talking about was the gospel and the truth of God. That's the good deposit. And look, when we go into verse 14, we'll put it on the screen. Look what he says. Man, it says, by the Holy Spirit who dwells within you, guard the good deposit entrusted to you. He's asking Timothy, Timothy, remember he said faithfulness matters. You got to be faithful to be able to keep it. You got to be faithful to be able to guard the good deposit. You got to be faithful to be able to use it wisely. Man, I want you to think of everything that God has given us. Man, we've heard it a lot of Sundays. Where we say, Ryan, we're the most what? We're the most blessed people, right? And so think about, I mean, that's not what we say. That's what we've been hearing. And, and so we're repeating it. And so we're the most blessed, right? And so think of everything that God has given us, his word, our family relationships, our times, our talents, our education, our resources, and so on and so on. Church family, we got to be faithful to keep those things, those good things, but we got to keep them in a way that brings glory to God and gives credit to Jesus Christ. Man, none of it is ours. It's been given, right? And I think where we struggle with this in our culture is we live in a day and a time where faithfulness is only expected so long as it serves our own interest, 
Men, as long as it's good for you, be faithful. Men, as long as it serves you, stay true to it. But as soon as that's flipped up on the side, man, go out the back door. See, when it stops being in our immediate advantage to be faithful, many people feel just fine about giving up their responsibility. But man, when we choose to live that way, that's not honoring to God. Church family, being faithful to God means having the heart that will do what is right, even when it seems not to be in our advantage to do so. Man, it reminds me of Psalm chapter 15, verse 4. And this is what the psalmist writes. He honors those who fear the Lord. He who swears to his own hurt and does not change. Church family, true faithfulness is shown when it costs something to be faithful. I'm going to say that one more time for the people in the back. True faithfulness. Church family, true faithfulness is shown when it costs something to be faithful. Man, true faithfulness is shown when it costs something. See, Dr. Branson broke that down last week when he was unpacking verse 12, and he reminded us that God is faithful with what we commit to him. But the question is, today, will we be faithful to what he has committed to us? He's given us the gospel. Are you going to be faithful to it? You going to hold tight to it? You're going to follow the patterns of the sound words? It seems hard and this task is humbling. (laughs) And where do we find the strength to be able to stand on the gospel in the face of suffering and protect it from those who stand against it? Well, Paul tells us with these words in verse 14. Many says, by the Holy Spirit who dwells within us. Do y'all get what's happening right there? He's asking us to do something that you can't do. He's saying, man, I'm going to need you to do that, but I know you can't do it, so I'm going to give you the one who will help you do it because you're going to need the help to be able to do what I asked you to do. And then that way you don't get it twisted. You don't pat yourself on the back because it's nothing that we were able to do, but it's all through the Holy Spirit who dwells within us. See, God requires the faithfulness from us that is greater than what we could ever fulfill by our own resources. So unless we're filled with the Spirit, unless we walk in the Spirit, we cannot keep faithful to what we must keep faithful to. And we can't do it on our own. But here's the good news. Once again, we're not alone in our mission. See, that's a common theme in our walk with Christ. We are not alone in the mission that God has put us on. God is with us. God is in us. And God is for us. And y'all know what Paul says in Romans chapter 8, 31? And if God is for us, then who can be against us, right? But then Paul transitions from verses 13 and 14. And then I want, I want us to look at verses 15 through 18. And sometimes, again, like when I first got assigned to this passage, I was like, uh, can I only do verses 13 and 14? Because they're banging, all right? But then, like, uh, verses 15 and 18, too? Can Ryan do that? All right, but here's the thing. The connection of these next verses with the preceding thing that we just read is super clear when we understand that Paul provides a negative and positive examples in order to reinforce his exhortation to Timothy to be unashamed. 
See, when we put it all together and we don't separate it like I was wanting to, then we understand the picture a little bit clearer and we understand that Paul is saying, hey, Timothy, man, I need you to be bold. Hey, Timothy, I need you to be courageous. Hey, Timothy, man, don't walk out in fear. But Timothy, I need you to do all this in love. I need you to do all this in the faith that's found in Christ. Timothy, I need you to be balanced. But Timothy, let me give you some examples of how it didn't work well. And let me give you some examples of how it worked amazingly. All right. And so that brings us to verse 15. Look at what it says. It says, you are aware that all who are in Asia turned away from me, among whom are Phygelus and Hermogenes. And just a quick side note. Man, I looked at the preaching schedule and neither Ron or Joe have any biblical names, anything like the names we're about to talk about in this passages. All right. I mean, I see. I see. Y'all, I, I know what y'all trying to do, make the dyslexic guy struggle. Well, the struggle is real. All right. But I'm going to do like I heard a couple months ago when Dr. Branson just said, hey, man, you just say it with boldness. And then everybody thinks you got it right. Or you just ask Siri how to pronounce it. And, and she says, I'm not sure. No, I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. <laughs> but here's the thing, guys. Man, it's crazy to think that the great apostle Paul, I mean, he's a legend, right? I mean, he's a pillar of our faith. But it's crazy to think that at the end of his days, at the end of a fantastic missionary career, I man, he was almost all alone. I, I don't know that I've ever really grasped that. But man, he was walking out his faith in Christ almost by himself. Guys, Paul was not praised by the world. Man, he was not even regarded as much among other Christian believers. Guys, I know they didn't have Christian talk radio back then, but if they had, if they had it or if they had like Christian podcasts, man, they're not rushing to say, hey, Paul, can I get you an interview? Like, no, he's not a hot commodity. All right. I get like there's no Christian magazines back then, but if there was, Paul's not on the cover. All right. He's not a cover story. In fact, Paul would have had a hard time, you know, even finding a publisher for the books that he had written. And so for many Christians on that day, man, Paul seemed too extreme. Paul seemed too committed. Or on the flip side, he was not flashy enough or he was not famous enough. Even the Christians of Asia, where Paul did great works that are recorded in the book of Acts chapter 19, even in the church of Ephesus, we, we have record of some of these people turning away from Paul. That's what he says. I mean, you're aware that all these people turned away from me, among whom are Phygelus and Hermogenes, all right? And so here's the thing, man, we don't really know anything about these two guys except for their names are really hard to say, but here's the thing. We don't know a lot about them because they're not mentioned anywhere else in the New Testament. Man, some scholars think that they were leaders of a particular group, maybe within one of the churches that Paul ministered to. But man, whoever they were, they obviously disappointed Paul. So much so that he put their names in the letter that was then going to be read not only by Timothy, but to all these churches, right? But they also represented others who turned away. Paul says, all those in Asia have turned away from me. 
Amen. When we read Asia in this context, we're not talking about Asia as we know it, okay? But, but Paul is referring to the Roman province of Asia in which the church of Ephesus was located. And apparently, man, many of them had even abandoned Paul. And so Phygelus and Hermogenes, man, what a terrible thing to have your name recorded in God's word as an example of unfaithfulness. Guys, when the going got tough, they didn't get going. Man, when it was time to walk it out, they didn't remain faithful. And Paul calls them out and points to their unfaithfulness. But then in contrast, man, we get to verses 16, 17, and 18. And Paul lays out a true example of faithfulness. Man, read this part with me, verse 16 through 18. May the Lord grant mercy on the household of Onesiphorus, for he often refreshed me and was not ashamed of my chains. But when he arrived in Rome, he searched for me earnestly and found me. And may the Lord grant him to find mercy from the Lord on that day. And you know, you well know all the service that he rendered at Ephesus. Guys, man, we know a lot of things about Paul. I mean, he was a scholar. Paul was a preacher. I mean, he was a missionary. But it seems like Paul was also a people person. Did y'all know that? Man, Paul was a people person. He was relational. Man, he knew the value of godly friendships. In fact, man, in the final chapter of his letter to the church in Rome, in the final chapter of Romans, man, Paul's closing comments include 33 different names of individuals. Paul prayed for his friends constantly. Man, he was often recognizing that they were gifts of God's grace. And so Paul mentions his friend right here, Onesiphorus. And, and we don't know much about him other than the fact that he lived toward, like real close to Timothy because later on in the end of the letter, Paul asked Timothy, hey, go greet Onesiphorus' whole household. And so this is what he says. Paul goes on to describe Onesiphorus with many things that made this guy special. He admired and he prayed for him first because he refreshed Paul. Man, have y'all ever needed a refresher? You know, I was introduced to like Starbucks way back in the day and, and realized I had to learn a whole different language to be able to order something at Starbucks. You can't just go up there and say, man, I want a medium because they don't have a medium. They have a tall all right, well, that doesn't sound right, but a tall is a small and a, so I don't even know. Look, I'm telling y'all right now, I don't even understand it, all right? But one thing that my daughter has showed me, because she's kind of bougie, all right, is that they have these things called refreshers. And I don't know, man, I paid $19 for one one time and I took a drink of it <laughs> and almost spit it out, but, but maybe my taste buds aren't right because, man, if I give one of those to my daughter, Oh, man, it has refreshed the soul, all right? Uh, it's something unbelievable inside that cup that only works for McKenzie and not for her dad, but, but that's okay. But, but, but here's the thing. Paul loved Onesiphorus because he refreshed him. 
Man, he was an intentional blessing to Paul. He worked to refresh the apostle. Y'all got to think, like, Paul was probably running on empty a lot, always doing things for other people. But then here comes Onesiphorus. And he says, Paul, man, let me bless you. Let me, let me refresh you. Let me do something for you. Man, when's the last time you sent a kind text to your leaders? When's the last time you blessed them with some hamburger helper or something like that? I'm, I'm playing. I, that, that wasn't in my notes. I just added that. My birthday is October 25th. I'm just playing. But, but here's the thing. Man, when you come and refresh your leaders, it goes a long way. It really does. Sometimes they too are on E, but maybe in a different way, man, maybe, may, maybe struggling similarly or maybe because they've just given it all out. But man, Paul was refreshed by his loyal support. He was loyal. Man, Paul also says that Onesiphorus was not ashamed of his chains. And what Paul is saying is, man, I preach the gospel and the gospel got me in prison. And maybe there were some of y'all that have my back all the way until imprisonment, but I haven't seen y'all in a long time. But he says, that's not true for Onesiphorus. He said, in fact, man, they got me locked up and it's so crazy, can't nobody find me. But Onesiphorus did. He kept on looking and he was motivated to go find him. And, and by doing that, man, he showed himself to be a true friend of Paul, even when he was in chains. And I don't know about y'all, but hearing the story of bold Christians, that helps inspire me and motivate me. And, and, and it helps us be inspired to equally, you know, have a, a bold witness to go out and do the same thing. And Onesiphorus, man, he was a bold Christian. Man, he was not ashamed to go see Paul. And in fact, Paul says he searched for him until he found him. And then he says, God, may grant mercy. May he find mercy. May he offers this special prayer for Onesiphorus to obtain this mercy. And man, if somebody like that who's a bold, loyal servant needs a prayer like that, I know you and I, we need prayers like that too. And in fact, Onesiphorus, his service was so faithful, it was so outstanding that he was almost famous for it. He was known for it. You know, Paul said, oh, you know very well all the ways that he has served well, Timothy. You know who I'm talking about. So I think it's only right that Onesiphorus lived up to the meaning of his name, which means help bringer. That's a hard way to say that, but help bringer. But that's what Onesiphorus means. But this merciful and faithful servant illustrates what an unashamed sacrificial service looks like. And that's what I want to challenge y'all church family. The same way that Paul is trying to challenge Timothy and coach him up, man, let's be like Onesiphorus. Man, as we close this passage out, we're, at, we're left with this question. Man, what example best describes you? You know, Paul says, go do this. But let me give you a bad example and let me give you a good example. But church family, man, you got to ask yourself, what example 
do you relate to? Do you line up with a jealous and homogenous? Men, are you somebody who's ashamed of the gospel? Are you quick to flee when faithful obedience and boldness are required of you? Or are you a loyal servant like Onesiphorus who works hard to refresh and encourage and bring help to others? See, men, we're reminded here that all types of faithful servants are needed in the kingdom. Church family, we need the Pauls. Man, we need leaders who are ready and willing to pour into the Timothys, the future leaders. Man, we also need faithful encouragers. I don't know how to say this, but we need the Onesiphoruses, all right? We need people who are willing to encourage, who are, willing, who are loyal, who are steadfast. Man, I, I want to ask us all to join in prayer as the band makes their way up here. Dear Heavenly Father, God, thank you so much for this opportunity to be able to preach to my church family. God, I pray that if there were things that were my words, God, that you would take them away. God, you would blot them out of our memory. But Spirit, I pray that your truth that came from your word is what we latch on to. God, I pray that you will continue to raise up an army of faithful kingdom servants here at Ridgecrest. God, raise up leaders like Paul. Raise up future leaders like Timothy. Raise up loyal servants like Onesiphorus here at our church. God, we ask this in your son's precious name. Amen.